Before we get started with this episode, and as we come to the end of this season, I've been thinking a lot about how I started this podcast when I was six weeks postpartum, and now my daughter is about to celebrate her first birthday. It feels really meaningful to take a look at how far we've come, at the amazing voices that we've included, and the ways in which we have been able to unpack questions of unpaid labor, of caregiving, of neurodiversity, of artistic residencies, and the multiple ways in which we can support one another as caregivers and as artists. Another thing I've been thinking a lot about is how to make this podcast sustainable. For those of us who live in the Western world, we do live under the constraints of capitalism, which means that we have to have money to support our families, to be able to buy food, et cetera. And that's really obviously minimizing the structural constraints of capitalism and how insidious it is in our lives. But all that's to say that this podcast also costs money and we have an amazing team. I feel really grateful to have connected with Sarah Davis, who's a podcaster herself and an editor, and also Rachel Sanya, who does wonderful work for our social media, for our guest outreach, and for our new newsletter. And of course, I want to ensure that I pay a living wage to those who are on the team. And at the end of the day, I also need to say, you know, it's obviously important that my own time is valuable. I think that all of our time is valuable. And we do a lot of unpaid labor so much in this capitalist world. And so looking at ways to make this sustainable is one of my main goals moving into 2023. To that end, I'm really excited to announce that we have our first sponsor who signed up for this season. The episode has been sponsored by Full Spectrum Features. I'm really excited for Full Spectrum Features to be our first sponsor and partner in this endeavor. Full Spectrum Features is a nonprofit social justice organization that uses film to inspire dialogue and create impact. They're a Chicago-based 501c3 committed to driving equity in the independent film industry by producing, exhibiting, and supporting the work of women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ filmmakers. They also aim to educate the public about important social and cultural issues, utilizing the power of cinema to foster understanding in our communities. You can find out more about Full Spectrum Features in our show notes to this episode and also on their website, fullspectrumfeatures.com. Personally, I really would love to highlight a few things that Full Spectrum Features does that is really important and impactful to the lives of caregiver artists. For one, the, one of their recent films, Another Happy Day, which for listeners would remember, hopefully, Nora Pfeffer's episode. She is the director and a producer of Another Happy Day, and Full Spectrum Features is also a producer of the film. One thing they did on that film that is not the norm in the film industry is that they made sure that the workday was one that would work for caregivers, meaning you couldn't work a 20-hour shift, overnights would not work as well. There are so many things that one has to think about when also caring for small children that they made sure that everyone that was working on the film was able to get back to their children in a meaningful and reasonable way. That type of support is certainly a rarity and it goes against the grain 
in so much of the industries that we see in the United States right now, where working, you know, 12, 15, 20 hour days is the norm. And also that it does not center those who are caregivers. And so that's something that I see as having such a meaningful and widespread impact. Second, another example of an initiative that Full Spectrum has designed to support working parents and others is what they call an artist contingency fund. It's a restricted account that sets aside money from each production's budget to help cast and crew pay for life expenses that would otherwise be a barrier to their full participation. The fund can be tapped for childcare and elder care expenses, travel, parking, or whatever will assist that employee to getting to work in a way that makes them feel supported. And these kinds of seemingly small shifts in work culture, I think, can have such a deep impact across the spectrum of all of our lives. And so I'm really excited that Full Spectrum Features has supported this episode. As I've talked about in the past, one of the initial impulses in starting this podcast was to be able to find ways to support artists and caregivers who don't always have the resources at hand to be able to live a life that feels supported and that gives the time and space that's necessary to do creative work. To that end, the money that will come in from any sponsorship, a portion of that has been set aside and will continue to hopefully grow as we bring on more sponsors that are aligned with our mission and will become a fund that is going to be available to artist caregivers. I want to make sure that that fund is one that really speaks to our community. So again, please let us know what you are really looking for. Is it purely a caregiving fund? Is it something that allows for time outside of the home and what that would look like? And all of those are really helpful to us as we continue to build this. But in the meantime, we are really committed to ensuring that where possible, we are able to pay this forward. We're excited that in working in partnership with organizations like Full Spectrum Features, we are able to continue to provide this type of content to listeners and also to continue to build resources and community for caregivers and artists. Speaking of sponsorship, if you or someone you know are interested in sponsoring an episode or a series next season, please shoot us an email. We're at hello at postpartumproduction.com, or you can find us also on Instagram and via our website, postpartumproduction.com. And now let's get on to this episode, which I'm really excited to share with you. I'm Caitlin Salamini, and this is the Postpartum Production Podcast. Every other week, I talk with artists who are also mothers and caregivers about their postpartum creative process. You can find out more about the podcast at www.postpartumproduction.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. I feel like I need to take a breath for a second, and I welcome you to do so wherever you are, wherever you're listening. <sighs> it reminds me of my daughter who I labored next to when I had my my third. My oldest daughter was there and she uh, likes to emulate the sounds I made in labor. So there's that. 
But that's not what this episode is about, or maybe it is. What I'm curious about today is, are you ever up in the middle of the night with some artistic or philosophical insight that feels like an earth-shattering epiphany at the time? And then the next morning you wake up and you read whatever note you wrote to yourself and you're like, interesting, (laughs) what was that about? Well, this happened to me recently. I was up at midnight and unable to sleep while the baby had a cough. And I wrote in my iPhone notes the following words with distinct punctuation of a period between each capitalized word. Capitalized, right? Gentle, period. Patient, period. Intuitive, period. Grounded, period. I think the idea was these were reminders to myself of my values or some kind of otherworldly person in the middle of the night who clearly has the space and wherewithal to value these things. But I'm sharing them here in this final episode of our entire season because the more I thought about it, they did feel like the exact puzzle pieces to a puzzle that all of our guests were trying to unpack in the early season of caregiving and creative pursuit. And you know how when you start paying attention to one thing and then suddenly you see it everywhere? When I was suffering with fertility challenges for years, I swear every time I walked outside of my house, I saw a pregnant person. I actually had to stop watching that show Jane the Virgin when she got pregnant and the Mindy Project. It was just too much pregnancy around me to handle the big feelings I was having. Anyway, that's a side note. But the point is that since I wrote myself those reminders... I was listening to Meghan Markle's Archetypes podcast about good mother, bad mother. She interviewed Sophie Trudeau, Pamela Adlon, and Sam Jay, and a line that Markle and Adlon mentioned really struck me. They said, the quiet part of the song is still part of the song. I feel like the first season of this podcast could be summarized by that quote, that all of our caregiving, our creativity actually happens in the spaces between the making, the doing, the raising of children, that our society is so focused on tangible results and how we can commercialize those results that we forget how much the breathing, the pausing, the not doing is actually a deeply revolutionary act, that you never leave your creative work just in the way you don't forget the babysitter, but also that all of the work we're doing in the homework, the for the self work, the for the community work, All of it matters, and it directly impacts, in a really powerful way, our creative work. Now, I'm excited to share with you this season finale compilation episode that draws together the voices and insights from this season. Together, we've examined how we wrestle with our conceptions of motherhood, the constraints of patriarchal structures on caregiving and art, and ways in which the fractured inevitability of early motherhood could perhaps provide new frameworks for creative production that work against existing norms and provide wholly new opportunities for expression, empowerment, and community. Phew, that's some powerful stuff. But for now, let's hear our guests speak about these subjects in their own eloquent and compelling words. For starters, how do we wrestle with motherhood narratives as creatives and caregivers? still trying to make sense of a culture of caregiving. And I wonder if this is because I come from a South Asian background, or is it because we live in a global patriarchy? I'm not sure, maybe it's both, that good mothers are necessarily 
good caregivers, good mothers, and that's the narrative, right, of that romanticized, a narrative, a dominant narrative. And I feel it's global culture, but it's certainly also part of South Asian culture. A good mother is necessarily someone who doesn't question or resist caregiving, whereas men are never socialized into that narrative. Motherhood makes us all so insecure and vulnerable as it is. It's just an innately vulnerable experience that's just rife for feeling bad about yourself or feeling unsure about your choices. We're just like onslaughted with so many people, most of them strangers, that we're Mm -hmm. just constantly consuming other people's renditions of motherhood. And it's dizzying in terms of like feeling comfortable and solid with your own decisions. So you've obviously mentioned that it's changed your focus, but like, I'm really curious how that makes you feel, I guess, and how you've navigated that. It's hard. It's made me feel a little lost at times because so much of my identity was very tied up in the work that I was doing before becoming a mother. And now so much of my identity has become being a mother to my son. And so it's confusing because I can't have the life that I had before. I can't sort of just devote those types of hours. My relationship with time and what I'm literally able to do is very different. During one of the conversations, we discussed Emily Pettis and Nancy Reddy's anthology, The Long Devotion, Poets Writing Motherhood, and how Emily and Nancy, as editors, compiled a collection of perspectives that provided a more honest and holistic view of the mother-creative journey. It seemed important at that point to present views on motherhood that would be like all three of those things, like difficulty and ambivalence and joy, because I think both of us, like at that point in our writing and mothering journey, didn't feel like we saw the real complexity of mothering and trying to write while mothering represented Mm -hmm. in the work that we saw. Or maybe we did see that work and we wanted to find a way to gather it together and to talk about it. As we discussed in a recent episode, the emotional labor of motherhood means that we're holding several identities at once, for better or worse. We also inherit the structural constraints of mothering and producing art in a capitalist, patriarchal world. One night at a party at Allen Ginsberg's, Diane DePrima said she was leaving because her babysitter expected her. From the floor, a stone, sprawled Jack Kerouac proclaimed, De Prima, unless you forget about your babysitter, you're never going to be a writer. Do you forget the babysitter? This is something I believe most of us mothers do, speaking of other voices and legacies we internalize, right? We internalize patriarchy, but then we also internalize this other patriarchy from the mother figures in our own family as well. I mean, the pandemic has shed light on parenting problems that aren't even just specific to the mother. I mean, it's wildly, like wildly disproportionately challenging for mothers, I think I can say in a general way. But I think so many men, friends of mine that I spoke to during, or especially early pandemic, were struggling so deeply 
I theorized that they were going through a sort of postpartum depression because for the first time, perhaps, their career was interrupted. They had no control over their time, where they could be. They could not share their space. They had to be with their kids more than they wanted to be. And they felt bad about it. It felt bad about feeling that way. There was like new tension everywhere. And I felt like the women, as hard as it was mechanically to go through those early pandemic times, it was exhausting, but it was not a new emotion. How would it feel to, I mean, this is just sort of a fun creative exercise that I've actually never asked myself. How would it feel to get paid to be a mother? How would that change your relationship to the work that you do as a mother? I think I can't even fathom that idea, but like, yeah, if I, uh, every Friday I'm getting, I'm getting cut a check just for, and I say just, I hate that word, just for, right? Just for caring for a kid. Take it away. You're getting Uh, a check for caring for a child while also doing work that validates you in other ways. Whether it's like, okay, you're doing that work part-time and you're doing the, the caregiving part-time so you get half a child. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you, you know, honestly, what, what, what word just came to mind? Happy. I would be so happy. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to make me cry. I think I would be so happy because there wouldn't be this, this need to validate myself <laughs> as a working person and there wouldn't be this pull that I need to get away from my child in order to produce, in order to be a citizen. So what is the answer? How do we balance these identities in a way that allows for both our caregiving and our art to flourish? All of a sudden, I found myself having conversations with peers where we used to have like the deepest, richest conversations. And all of a sudden, we're talking about things, the minutiae of the day with a baby. And it feels so important and so unimportant at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so it's really confusing identity-wise. Is this everything? I don't know. I don't know if it's everything. Mm Mm-hmm. You're also bringing up for me that recently I've been thinking a lot about, and also I've had conversations with other moms about how we, especially of a certain generation, I think, I don't know if I'm technically, I'm like on the edge of millennial, I think. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And even millennials, like, especially as women, you know, there was this like very important feminist project to push for equality across all of American society, right? Whatever that looks like. And yet I feel like you become a mother and that idea, this goal, this idealistic way of, oh, well, women, you know, it's like the lean in sort of idea of like, well, you can do everything a man can. It's like, no, we also can do things that men can't do. (laughs) Like where is the power and where is the relevance and where, right, of that? I'm taking notes as I was reading the anthology and I found myself writing, OMG, wow. Like I was like breathless a lot. Like there were lines that I was just like floored and maybe I don't read enough poetry. I do read poetry. I'm not a poet, so I'm not exclusively reading a lot of poetry, but the poems in this anthology are really, really, really powerful. 
And I have to say that also, as I am currently in pretty early motherhood and don't have a lot of time, no one has time, but I don't have the ability. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so fractured when you have a little baby. Right. Yeah. This was such an easy thing for me to read. I don't mean it in an easy, like in a simple way, but I mean it just in a way that I could feel connected so quickly with the writing that I just loved. I really, really, really loved reading this at this point in my life. I think of all the arts, poetry is a really good one (laughs) to pair (laughs) with motherhood because you can do something that feels complete in the fractured time you have, Mm -hmm. and then you can revise it in fractured Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Whereas I look at my friends who are novelists, And I mean, I don't know how they do it just in general, because my brain doesn't work that way. But then just to have the sustained time and attention to look at something over a long period of time, even the editing of it, which involves keeping so many things in your mind at once Mm -hmm. and being able to keep threads consistent, etc., If you try to balance your writing career against your parenting as though it's on a scale, like I'm balancing my life like a scales of justice scale, and there's only these two things, and one goes up and the other goes down. If you try to do that, you are guaranteed to be miserable because when your parenting is going great, you will think that your writing is going badly. And when your writing is going great, you will feel like your parenting is going badly. And that is not how one should look at life. Any of the mothers that are still dancing that I know of, once they have children, it's almost like they become superhuman. They're so much more focused. They value time in a whole different way, even more sense of a responsibility and to perform at a higher level. They don't take anything for granted. You can't go back to who you were. You're someone else now with a new way of seeing the world. Your heart is expanded. And so it's more exciting than ever to be writing. You just have less time. I'm personally feeling really heard and I'm feeling way more empowered around (laughs) I mean, it is true, right? As writers, we are always bringing so much into the work that is not just that time that you're sitting at your desk or wherever it is that you work. I've heard the expression that like people are cracked open that when you give birth. And for me, I think I just felt so jarred by this birth that happened in a way that I didn't understand and wanted to make sense of. I felt like there were a lot of things that happened in my personal life at the time that were a lot for me to hold inside. And since I was a young child and could write, that's been the way that I am able to make sense of what's happening in my life. And so it was just a therapeutic thing. I put so much pressure on myself to produce. When I was pregnant, 
just because there was that end date of, ooh, the baby will finally come out into the world, but also like this end of a chapter in my life where I would be able to produce as widely or as efficiently before I actually had the baby. So that was probably my biggest challenge during pregnancy. So yes, we produce work in fractured time, but is that enough? How do we carve out the kind of space, both physical and philosophical, that, for example, a writing or artistic residency affords you? If we aren't forgetting the babysitter, how could we create artist residencies for mothers? There's a writing residency called Hedgebrook, where outside of Seattle on a Whidbey Island, and when you go there, you have dinner at the farmhouse table, and then if you try to bust the dishes or help with the dishes, they're like, no, you're here to write. It's not so much about the help, but the centering, Mm -hmm. that realizing that your work and your needs are first. And in that same way that there's endlessly boiling pots that you have to tend Mm -hmm. to. But I think the other metaphor I think of is the oxygen masks. You need to put it on yourself Mm -hmm. first before you put it on your child. And I try to remind myself that I'm a better mother and wife or daughter or sister, a better person Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling fulfilled and am able to work on the thing that I love so much, mm-hmm. writing. And I don't know, there's a gigantic pile of laundry in the living room. Like, There's plenty of things where my life can feel quite haphazard and not professional. But I do think my training as a journalist has taught me that to try something out, to know that the first draft is not the last draft. As mentioned in episode 15, Lenka Clayton started the Artist Residency in Motherhood as a way for artist caregivers to build their own version of a residency in a way that more traditional and non-caregiver-focused residencies provide. In the Bay Area, the collection of mothers I've met attempted to do this literally, to make our own residency in motherhood collectively. To be honest, what I noticed most was that my day wasn't bookended by drop-offs and pickups that the time and space for writing was less compressed and harried. What is an artist residency in motherhood? I think an artist residency in motherhood is a chance to take the body and the mind back, to reconnect with the creative self, to reconnect with others, to find again what was stolen in the entrance into motherhood. I feel like I have two jobs, and one of them is writing, And one of them is mothering. And I feel like I'm doing them both all of the time, that they're both labors that I never really put down because so much of my writing is memoir. I think if you're just starting to listen within, then an artist residency and motherhood can be a quiet space to let those ideas come to the surface and then to have uninterrupted time to pursue those ideas. How do you define creativity and how do you define postpartum? So those are my two parting questions. I get one word for each. Well, it doesn't have to be one, maybe a sentence. A long, 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 never ending sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good at that. Okay, creativity is connecting with your soul and your surroundings. 
Mm, I love that. Yeah. Postpartum. (laughs) Postpartum is messy, squishy, sacred, topsy-turvy. I can only think of adjectives to answer that question and not sentences. It is unlike anything I've ever experienced. (laughs) Yeah, very vulnerable. Getting lost in deep creative work where I feel like when I'm so deep in a thought process or an idea that I'm not even conscious of like the synapse is firing, I'm just in a pure state of, it's so hard to describe. It's just that deep, completely embodied, completely focused state where it doesn't feel like laborious work, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's not work. It's like happening out on your own or it's coming from. Yeah. And like most of it it for me is laborious work. So when you hit that (laughs) sweet spot of all the laborious work that you did, just, oh, it's all there. And like all of a sudden I'm like channeling all of that into something that feels like it's surprising me in that very moment. What is postpartum? So postpartum to me, an explosion of change, constant change. Do you want me to elaborate on that? No, no, that is perfect. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) When I think about my work in particular, I follow a creative journey. I really think about my creativity and what I want to be making and what ideas excite me. But I also think about what are the daily moments that are around us? Like, what are we capturing as creatives, right? Like as a writer, you know, we are kind of historians of our time. Like we are dictating what is happening around us all the time. We are the people on the streets that are deciding what's gonna be a moment in time, our fingerprint on the world that's gonna be left for later. There's a vulnerability that really good art has that other people can look at it and say, I see myself in that. And it serves as a mirror. And I think that when you're making work that is not personal, that is not about you, it's much harder to create that mirror for other people. And it was scary at first because my work had previously not been about me. And it felt like taking up space, like me saying, my experience is valid of other people looking at it. And that felt very uncomfortable. What is productivity? I think you can have productive thoughts. Thoughts can be products. Absolutely. Productive thinking, for sure. I think that no productive art comes without productive thinking. So the thinking has to come first. And I think that the postpartum period is just rife. It's like you've created something and all these juices are flowing and your emotions are raw and it's kind of you at your most base instinctual place. And it makes sense to me that being in that just animal place ends up building up this creative energy because it's sort of counterintuitive. You think like, oh, I should be exhausted and I should like not want to be doing anything. And I think a lot of women have this like urge to, I don't know, whether it's nesting or kind of making your motherhood what you want it to be. I think there is a way to kind of harness that energy. 
The experience of having given birth did sort of change me in terms of my way of thinking. It opened up my mind in, in all sorts of new ways. Partly, sometimes just as simple as seeing the world, I suppose, for your child's eyes for the first time and it bringing like a new sense of wonder. But I felt it kind of did affect my creative process as well. You know, I felt like in a way I was sort of like with my book, I felt like I was able to have like a clearer sort of wider sense of what I wanted it to be. I don't know whether that's partly to do with sort of sifting out things that feel unimportant because, you know, you have such limited time when you've a new parent. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the advice I, I got before I gave birth was quite discouraging and I've always tried to be more encouraging to other mothers, particularly mothers who are sort of creative and are perhaps worried about how this is going to affect their work. Like, yes, of course, your time is curtailed and there are things that are like not as great. You, there's things that you would have not thought twice about going and doing before you had kids and now you have to sort of schedule it in in this really complicated way. But in other ways, yeah, it totally changed my way of thinking and the way I approach my work. And in that sense, I feel like it was really good for my creativity. It's true that like for me, being an artist and making art, you know, mostly making poems, but not always, it's been about making my way in the world in a very specific way. Like nobody cares if you make art, nobody wants you to make art. It's like whether I make art or not, is completely irrelevant. Like no one is invested in me making art. Like the only way that it will happen is if I'm extremely intentional about it. Thank you to all of our listeners for supporting the Postpartum Production Podcast. This season has been a labor of love for all of us, and we continue to be inspired by the stories we share here. We're excited to announce that season two, coming in 2023, ooh, that's a crazy big number. Does anyone else feel that way? Well, we're excited that we will take a deeper dive into the postpartum creative experience with conversations with experts who work at that juncture as researchers, observers, and writers. Please let us know what has resonated with you this season and what you'd like to hear more of in season two. Thank you again to Full Spectrum Features for sponsoring this episode and for continuing to support artist caregivers. We really appreciate the work that you're doing at the intersection of caregiving and artistic pursuits. To find out more about Full Spectrum Features, you can go to our show notes where we will have links to their website, which is fullspectrumfeatures.com, as well as their Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter profiles. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Caitlin Salamini, and this is the Postpartum Production Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. This will help us reach more listeners like you who are navigating the joys and pitfalls of artistic and parenting identities. For regular updates, visit our website, postpartumproduction.com. Follow us on Instagram at postpartumproductionpodcast and subscribe to our podcast newsletter on Substack. Thank you for listening. And we are so grateful to have you with us on this journey. Postpartum may feel like forever, and sometimes it may feel very lonely, but you're not alone here.